Welcome to the Wellness Restoration Project, where we explore the question of how are you well? A collection of interviews and explorations of resources, both ancient and modern, to help you create your own powerful network and practices in wellness. I'm your integrative herbalist and host, Shelly Swap. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Wellness Restoration Project. I am so glad you're here. And I have with me again, once again, my friend, Miss Alexis Page. Welcome. Thank you. It's so good to be back for our second date. Yes. So hopefully you have listened to part one of the podcast, Strength and Nutrition. Today, we're going to dive into part two. We're going to break down a little bit more of what we were talking about in part one and give you some more tools so that you can really start to understand the intersection of your nutrition, your strength, which then also plays into weight and hormone balance and all the good things. So um, where we left off last time, we had encouraged everybody to go in and calculate their BMR. Remember that's the basic metabolic rate. I will link to that calculator again in the show notes. So you've got it. And then we wanted you to take some time and begin to kind of track your food, really be curious and thoughtful about what is it you're eating? How much are you eating? And just write it down so that you have an understanding as to where you're starting. And as we get dive into this episode a little bit deeper, you'll have an idea of the difference between maybe what you're eating and what we're talking about can be really helpful and really important for women to balance their hormones, maintain strength and be able to maintain their weight. Alexis. So do you want to, let's talk a little bit about BMR. When we left off last time, we had talked about kind of an average size woman at age 43, she was like 160 pounds, five foot four, her BMR or her basic metabolic rate to just keep her functioning without doing anything other than just laying in bed was around 1,368 calories per day. Maybe she wants to lose a little bit of weight and be down to like 140 pounds. And so even then we still don't want to go down below that BMR. We want to look at the kind of activity level that she's doing and then calculate her total caloric expenditure on that. And for someone who's maybe five foot four, 160 pounds, and they're like, you know, going after it, making sure they're doing their Peloton and running and doing all the things three to five days a week, we saw that that person needed about 2,100 calories to maintain if they wanted to lose weight, then we were talking maybe a 200 calorie deficit of about 1900 calories, but can you make it a little more real life for us? I know you have got some examples of some past clients that have, have needed even less, have maybe been smaller been five foot two or something like that. Do you mind kind of giving us a real life example of that? Yes, I'd love to. I have the perfect woman in mind who for the sake of this pod, we will call her Ellie. Why not? Kelly was five foot one, about 130 pounds. And she had been working with somebody who insisted that she needed to eat less than 1200 calories because that's what women are supposed to eat. (laughs) Not shockingly, the person she was working with was a man and was giving her all sorts of advice that was just, it wound up being pretty detrimental to her health. So when we started working together, it was definitely very female centric and, you know, honoring her cycle and running her numbers to really get a grip on what her energy exchange was. So by energy exchange, I mean, how much she was actually putting out, how many calories that she was burning in a day as an active woman. Now she was a mother of three boys. So even if she didn't exercise, she was already putting out plenty of energy, just keeping up with them. But she was, she was powering away at her Peloton every single morning for 45 minutes. 
And we're talking five, six days a week. Like she did not give up. She is super, super motivated, but she just was not losing weight. And she was starving all the time. And she's like, I just don't understand what I'm doing wrong. So we started running her numbers and for her activity level, her basal metabolic rate, her BMR, just to stay alive. Like, again, this is just to keep your organs and tissues functioning. Her BMR was over 1500 calories. So I'm so sorry. Her BMR was 1300 calories. Okay. That makes sense. And she's tiny. She's like five one, right? She, she's a wee little thing. Yeah. So her BMR was 1300 calories. And when we did her total daily energy expense, she was cranking out close to 1900 calories. So we're looking at a 600 calorie swing in energy here that she was not accounting for. And even we never want to go beyond a mild deficit. So she's closing in on those 1900 calories, but she's been told she has to eat less than 1200 calories. So she was, she was coming in around like a thousand to 1100 calories a day. She's eating almost half of what her body needed. So it's really no surprise that we saw her body doing what it does best, which is surviving. So it was clinging to body fat. Like it was going out of style because it just, it stopped trusting her. It was like, I don't know when I'm going to get enough food again. So I need to make sure that I have this in case it stops coming for good. Right. So we were able to work on a reverse diet and we slowly increased her calorie intake. And we did a lot of like swapping, a lot of mixing and matching. We took down her cardio a lot. So, you know, we left a little bit in because for a lot of people, cardio is a stress reliever. And a mother of three boys needs to uh, <laughs> work out some stress. Right. So we, we, we dialed it back about 80% though, and replaced all of that with weight training. And inside three weeks, she dropped six pounds and lost an inch on her waist, an inch on her thighs and an inch on her hips. And she was blown away. She's like, how am I eating more doing less cardio <laughs> sleeping better, feeling stronger than I have in my entire life. And this is the first time I've seen the scale move. I've seen results. I feel better. And it's all because she started respecting her body, like how much energy she was putting out and what she needed on a hormonal level to actually allow her organs and her body to feel safe. Right. Right. And just understanding what it is that your body needs is huge. Because like you said, we, we have not been taught that we need a certain amount of intake of energy intake. And we call those calories in our Western society. Yeah. Um, we have just haven't been taught that we need, there's a minimum amount that we really shouldn't go underneath. And when we do get close to that number or go under it consistently, our body slows down its metabolic rate. It literally slows it down so that we yeah. are burning fewer calories doing the things that we are nor that we would normally be doing. And that then we do, we see all sorts of people, men and women, it's not just women, um, but we see men and women who are saying, why am I eating so little? And I'm still gaining weight or I'm not losing weight. Like it doesn't make sense. I've been taught my whole life, this input versus output thing. And I'm clearly not inputting very much. And I'm putting out all this energy and I'm not losing weight because they're really, 100%. there is so much more to it than just, you know, eat less, move more. <laughs> oh. I don't know if there's a mantra I hate more <laughs> than all you need to do is eat less and move more. Aside from maybe like no pain, no gain, not a big fan of that either. <laughs> right. Right. Amen to that. So the other thing that I think is really important to talk about before we go into, and just, just 
like a little bit of a spoiler here, folks, before we really talk about weight training and strength and resistance training, we really need to talk a little bit about these, this idea of calories. So, so Alexis is talking about how Ellie needed, you know, 1900 calories a day because of all the energy that she was ex outputting. And even on a caloric deficit of like 200 calories, she needed 1700 calories, but, but it's not just calories. Like it's those of us that were raised I mean, all of us have been raised to think about calories, right? We look at the back of a box or a nutrition, you know, label or something, and it has calories at the very top, but not all calories are created equal. So one of the great things that we, that we do as nutritionists and as women who are focused on women's health is teach women about macros. Macros and micros are huge because you can eat 1500 calories in one sitting with a seven layer phenomenal chocolate cake that you get from Cheesecake Factory, right? Oh my <laughs> God, yes. Totally <laughs> all those calories in one sitting. Um, and in my 20s, there was no punishment. <laughs> we, we may have all have done that at certain times, but, but it's not going to be the same as this 1500, 1600 calories that we want you to get as someone who's really invested in helping you to live your best life and be well. And your body needs more than just calories. Yes. So let's define what macros are. Macronutrients are going to be the big nutrients that we need more than one gram of per day. That doesn't sound very impressive, but there's only three big macronutrients that our bodies need more than one gram of per day. That's protein, fat, and carbohydrates. And within carbohydrates, we're going to talk about fiber and those types of things as well. Micronutrients are going to be everything else, the vitamins, the phytonutrients, the minerals, all those types of things. We need both. It's just that we don't need a full gram of all of those micronutrients. We need less of them, but we need considerable amounts of those macros. And let's talk a little bit about, and Alexis, I'm going to turn the time over to you, which where do we want to focus? Where do we want to focus on those macronutrients? Let's start there. Let's start with the big building blocks and then we'll fill in with the small ones. We definitely, definitely, definitely. And this is, this goes for women and men, but particularly for women, because I think this is a space that we struggle with. We need to focus on protein. Protein truly is a girl's best friend. Like we need to be focusing on making sure that we're getting enough of that first. And then, you know, accounting for how much energy and I'm, I, I prefer to use energy to calories because the word calorie has been so vilified over right. the years. Right. And I, I would love to reframe this as a conversation on energy exchange, you know, how much we're putting out versus how much we're taking in. And we want to account for how much energy that we're consuming in protein, because that's something that is so critical to our bodily functions as a woman, like our ability to build our ability to nourish ourselves, our ability to stay healthy is all just critically related to our protein intake. Absolutely. I don't know. That's the amino acids, right? Those are the basic building yes. blocks. So protein is made up of amino acids. There are, I believe nine, nine different essential yeah. acids. And then there's several, I mean, we have lots and lots of amino acids. I think there's even more than 20 something now that they've identified and the others are considered non-essential, not because we don't need them on a daily basis, but because our bodies can make them from the intake of the exactly. other foods. And there is some conversation or some controversy around a couple of them that have been considered non-essential for many years, because when we're in a, in a state of deficit, when we're sick, when we're stressed, our bodies actually don't make them very well. And so then they become essential. We have to have them through our food. And the only way we get them is through 
protein. Um, and every single hormone, every single tissue in our body is actually built from the same 10, 11, 12, 13 amino acids. Some of them are in different orders or different amounts, um, which is kind of wild to think, but it's the same amino acids that we use over and over and over again to build hormones, to build tissues, to build muscle, all the things that our body needs. So yeah, echoing you 110%. The protein has to be a huge part of that conversation because without it, we don't have all of the building blocks we need for our bodies to function well. Exactly. And I think what you touched on first by defining like what makes a complete protein is really important because where we're getting our protein from, like just like all calories are not created equal, all protein is not created equal. So we have to be very aware of the fact that we need all nine of those essential argumentative or not, like whoever agrees on it, like we need all nine of them. Right. And, you know, we see those mostly in animal sources of protein are the most easily accessible. Let's put it that way. And this is from a completely diet agnostic approach. This is not vilifying anyone's beliefs or their practices. Like we welcome all animal proteins are just the easiest complete protein to take in sources like chicken, fish, red meat, you name it. But there are sources like hemp protein. Hemp is one of the few, maybe only plant sources of protein that's complete in and of itself, which is is pretty close to complete as well. Okay. Yeah. I think it is very close. Yeah. And then you've got things. And then when you can do some combining like oatmeal and nut butter and um, rice and and beans, they become a a complete protein together, but we have to do a lot more combining and you have to eat a lot more of them in order to get the the amount of protein that you would get from an animal source, say like two ounces of chicken, right. Or two ounces of of any. Exactly. And it really takes like a, an educated approach to your nutrition to make sure that you're getting that balanced source of protein. And it's really important. It is absolutely, absolutely possible to do on a vegetarian or vegan diet. It right. just takes some, it just takes some finesse. That's all. But yeah. you know, a lot of people just don't know that it's something that they need to be focusing on. So it's a really important conversation that we need to be having. Right. And the, the argument I hear often, and I think it's important to address is like, well, you know, my vegetables have protein in them. Yes, they do. Absolutely. They do have protein in them. Do they have a complete protein in them? No. And, and when we're talking about the amount of protein that, that a woman needs or that anybody needs, who's physically active, that can be mind blowing for people, how much protein yeah. you actually need just to be healthy. The RDA I think is right now between 0.8 and one gram per kilogram for healthy individuals. And we know like the, the recommended daily allowance of anything is not to help you be your optimum self. I mean, and I mean, no disrespect by that. I mean, it's just the way that's designed. Like the RDA is to say, okay, this is what we see the minimum amount you need to get in order to keep you from developing, hopefully developing chronic disease. If you can meet these RDAs, it's not about keeping you healthy. It's not about you being able to run a marathon for you to be able to keep up with your kids, to rebuild your tissues after things have gotten injured or anything like that. So that's the RDA is 0.8 to to one gram per kilogram. So a hundred and what 140 pound women would need. I got to do quick math here. 65 and a half grams of protein per day. If she was just doing the one gram per kilogram amount to keep her from hopefully developing a chronic disease. (laughs) Right. Right. And like, honestly, I, I find that woefully short. Yeah. I actually, yeah. The research supports a a, a gram of protein per pound of body weight Yeah, to thrive. 
Yeah. And um, that's per pound of what your ideal body weight is. So exactly. Like exactly. Weight, we don't want someone who's 180 pounds eating 180 grams of protein, but no, but, but if you want to be 130 tests. pounds, right. And there are some grams of protein. calculations <laughs> like adjusted body weight and those types of things that you can do with a nutritionist, or you can get online and those sort of sorts of things to um, help you figure out what your ideal percentage is. But I can tell you, it's not 50 grams. <laughs> Like it's not, oh my goodness, no, not a teeny tiny bit of protein. It is, it is kind of like the teeter totter when you're looking at a seesaw or a teeter totter. If you're visualizing this for me right now, and um, you've got protein is that triangle in the middle. And um, it, it is the, it should be a really substantial part of your diet. And then the carbohydrates and the fat are what are teetering and tottering, depending on what the goals are and what, what's happening with your metabolism and what you're doing, like what kind of energy expenditure you're, you're putting out and everything. And we're going to talk about that really quickly, but but yes, that protein piece is huge. Um, it's huge. huge. It as really far is. as, and, and, and what do you, well, so Alan Argonon and Stacey Sims, they're kind of the big names in research when it comes to building muscle and metabolism and those types of things. And the research that we're constantly seeing, and they go in and they mine the research. They really look at it. Stacey Sims is really, really focused on women's health. And she talks a little about cycling women, not a little, a lot about women's cycling, <laughs> those types of things and their needs. But, but that's where we're getting that number of a, of a gram per pound of body. Of ideal body weight. Yeah. Is are from those types of researchers, not from, it's not just talk. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not just fluff like trend on social media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're looking like, at. So, so if your ideal body weight is 130 pounds or 120 pounds or something like that, then we're, we're really talking, you know, close to 120 grams of, of protein per day. Um, yeah. And that day. takes effort. That takes effort. Like it, it needs to be very deliberate and it's worth it too. And the cool thing about protein um, which I think you're about to dive into is, you know, one, it's very satiating. Mm -hmm. So if we're eating that level of protein, it's naturally going to start to regulate our appetite. So we're not going to have these like peaks and troughs in like hunger pangs and feeling hangry and all of that anymore. Like once we're eating an adequate amount of protein, our digestive system is basically foraging for high quality amino acids all yeah. the time. Yeah. So when we're finally giving it to it, like we're going to have a nice even source of energy. We're going to really take care of all of that, you know, the hunger pangs that we often see happening for women that are, you know, trying to stick to these unrealistic calorie goals that have been handed to them by, you know, the media for decades now. Right. But the other thing that no one really talks about is that it takes a lot of energy just to digest protein. Yes. Yes, like, absolutely. And I, I think one of the things that's really important to understand is I think you hear something like 120 grams of protein and think, oh my gosh, I could never eat that much. It's so <laughs> much, right? Um, but, but when we break it down into energy, like we've been talking about, like calories, a gram of protein is only four calories. It's only four, like four units of energy per gram. Yeah. So 120 grams of protein times four is what? like 480 80 calories. That's not even half of what your daily intake should be. No, it's energy. just like, it usually comes out to about 30% ish. Yes. Yeah. And so we're not talking like eating half of your entire day in protein. <laughs> like, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. You can get, you know, 20, 25 grams of protein from a couple ounces of, of animal products from soy tofu from, um, 
sardines. I mean, like it really is not as much as you think, but it's more than what you've been eating. <laughs> it is, it is. And you know, it's this, it's this weird balance that we have to strike because once you start eating the foods that your body actually wants, like your body wants, not what we're craving. Those are, those are two different conversations, yeah. but like, if we're eating a whole food diet, it is unbelievable how much you're actually going to be eating to actually hit a 1700 calorie day. Yeah. You know, like, like you started out saying we could have a seven layer cake for 1700 calories, but my breakfast this morning was four eggs, three pieces of homemade Turkey sausage, half of an avocado <laughs> and a whole plum. I ate all of that in one sitting after my workout. And that was 40 grams of protein. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't that much. Yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm amazed that much. I'm amazed at how much I'm eating now that I'm working out regularly, that I'm lifting and doing these things, like sitting down and having, you know, a quarter cup, I have a quarter cup of cottage cheese and like a half to two thirds, a cup of Greek yogurt, and then some granola and cacao nibs and a peach or something outside, you know, or, or a cup of, of berries or something in there. And it's this nice, like beefy bowl of, of breakfast. And that's how I get, you know, 30 grams of protein. Plus I have tea with some collagen in it. And, um, and I fall and I feel good and I have energy <laughs> Yes, can go and yes. go and go. And you're full, but you're not weighted down. You know no. what I mean? It, there's a difference between feeling full and satisfied and feeling just heavy and dense. Right. right. And if and we're not giving our body, you know, the appropriate fuel, right. we we're going to end up in that dense camp that we desperately want to avoid. <laughs> I, and I think this is a great, we should definitely insert this in here. So if you aren't used to have, if you haven't been eating much protein and you start to eat a heavier protein diet, you can have that feeling of like, Oh, it's like sitting in your gut and yes. your body, it's going to take your body some time to develop the enzymes, to break all these things down. If you have been restricting protein sources for a long period of time. And so getting some digestive enzymes on board, some papaya enzymes, they're great over the counter. There's some other digestive enzymes. I'm happy to be a resource for you, but eating those with about 15 to 20 minutes or not eating them, swallowing them, taking them about 15 to 20 <laughs> minutes or some diet or some herbal bitters. I mean, you all know that I'm an herbalist and bitters can be life-changing because they help, you know, kick up that stomach acid. We want that stomach acid moving and boiling and turning so that you get a, an appetite and things are ready. Once you, once you're your breakfast hits your gut and it's primed. It's ready to go instead of, instead of the other way around. We don't want that happening after you eat because then we get heartburn and reflux and all those awful things. We don't want that. We want to get the digestive system moving. So if you're like, Oh, I could never do that because my, my stomach and my gut just isn't ready for it. It's fine. That's, that's the whole point of reverse dieting of slowly beginning to add these things one step at a time and giving your body what it needs, but also retraining it to eat what is good for it. Because you know intermittent fasting is awesome, right? We want we want to use intermittent fasting therapeutically when it's needed. But people who are just like, oh, it's so much easier now that I don't ever eat breakfast, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they found themselves not losing weight and and tired and fatigued. And you know, yeah, we're we are going to have to give your body some support to get back on the eating train in order to be effective. Absolutely, that's such a that's such a, an amazing point that needed to be made for sure because. Like we were saying, protein, is, it takes a lot of energy to digest. Like it can, you can actually use up about 20 to 30% of the protein that you're taking in, just digesting it. Like you're using it as energy <laughs> when you eat it, yeah. you know? So 
it, that obviously means it is a big task for your body to take on. So you definitely want to start small. So, you know, if you are only eating maybe 50 grams of protein a day tomorrow, don't go out and have like a bison and three eggs for breakfast or else it, it's going to hurt. It's not going to be very comfortable. You're probably going to be gassy and no one's going to want to sit next to you. Right. So <laughs> you want to take some baby steps when you're moving in this, this kind of direction. And it's, it's really important. Everything in moderation, right? right. Like including intermittent fasting, right. you know, like fasting works best when you give it a break occasionally. Why is it called, you know, and it, and exactly <laughs> keyword intermittent. And, you know, this is obviously not a diagnosis for everyone. Just give up intermittent fasting. No, like, you know, your body, trust your body. And if you're working with somebody like you guys know what's best, but I have had the best experiences with intermittent fasting when I have done it in a cyclical fashion and given my body a chance to get used to it and then be away from it and heal. And then, you know, right. have abundance again. Right. You know, like it's really important to open up that fasting window occasionally. And especially if you're going to try and start bringing in more calories and more heavier macronutrients, you definitely want to open up the window, like the amount of time that you have give your body to digest and use all of these nutrients. Right. And especially if you're active, I mean, whether you're mm. Peloton queen or you're lifting or you're running or whatever we, we, and if you're still cycling, yes. it, it really is important that we learn to respect those cycles. And we'll talk about that at another time. This is an intermittent fasting episode, but it is important that we touch on it and say, Hey, if you're like pretty committed to that, like I'm done at 7 PM and I don't start eating until noon, but my energy has tanked. I haven't been able to lose any weight. <laughs> this is your like note to self. This is permission to say, let's put the intermittent fasting down for a bit. Let's repair your adrenals by giving them a chance to start trusting you again. And that often happens by getting you to eat within an hour of waking up. You know, if you still want to get up and get that exercise in and everything, like that's great. We'll talk about that more in the next episode, but, 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 be, but be willing to be flexible and consider that your body does need more than you're probably giving it right now. If you're not getting the results that you would like, and so we're asking you to trust us and just kind of give it a, give it a, a shot, slowly step into eating more, adding some enzymes and really focusing on that protein, but protein is not the only thing we need to be doing, right? There are two other macronutrients. Yes. Two super, super important macronutrients. I think the next one we should jump into is honestly carbs, because I don't know what's been more vilified carbs or fat, but they're both your friend. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. There isn't a safe macro out there anymore. There isn't, there isn't, you know, so, like everything's been demonized and it's very, it's just unfair. They've done nothing wrong. They just want to help us I thrive. <laughs> and we've, we've acted like they're all out there to get us, but no, like just like all calories are not created equal. All proteins are not created equal. All carbs are not created equal. We have fiber to consider. I know net carbs are a huge buzzword. So anyone who's not familiar with net carbs, it's literally just the amount of carbohydrate in a food minus its fiber intake, because we actually don't absorb fiber. We pass it. It's like a little loofah that makes its way through our digestive tract, <laughs> cleans some stuff up, and then just like takes right. its leave. We don't you break know, it down. It's very polite. It cleans right. up and then it takes off. <laughs> right. right. And depending on if it's soluble or insoluble, and we're not going to go all, all deep into that, but like it can really feed your, the good bacteria in your gut. It helps to clean out your gut. Yes. It's, it's like 
really one of the only ways, it is the only way that we detoxify estrogen. Women who are still cycling, well, even women who aren't cycling, you're going to make estrogen for the rest of your life. Just a, There's only one type you make after you go through menopause, but you still have estrogen in your body. And the only way we detoxify estrogen, which is really important if um, estrogen dominant breast cancer runs in your family, even if it doesn't, <laughs> like, like we need to have fiber in order to help our bowels be healthy, which is going to help us open up those detox pathways and allow us to detoxify estrogen. It only comes out through our bowels. And, and so if we are restricting carbohydrates, we're also restricting fiber and we're shutting down some of those detox pathways. So we absolutely need those really good sources of carbohydrates. What would you do? What would you suggest as far as like top five? Do you have a top five list of um, healthy carbohydrates? Oh, Oh, that's really hard because I, I very strongly adhere to the eat the rainbow method yes. and eat seasonal, <laughs> Yes, eat seasonal, eat local, eat as many colors as you can. Like right now I'm on a big red and yellow bell pepper with zucchini and like kind of like a little stir fry kick going on right now. But I love some leafy greens in the morning. Like lots of times I'll do some cherry tomatoes, molted spinach with my breakfast depending on how many carbs I've had during the day. And this is something we can get into on another talk if you want. Like you can you can time your carbs because carbs are also very important for getting into deeper stages of sleep. Right. But I'll do like Japanese sweet potatoes at night or some coconut rice. So it really depends on what stage I'm in. I know that's not like a fair answer, <laughs> but no, pretty much anything you ask me, I'll say it depends. <laughs> No, but I, but what we're, what I'm, what we're hearing and what, what I absolutely agree with is the carbs are, we're talking about carbs that are coming from plants. Yes. Um, so whole so, food sources, yes, the least processed stuff. carbs you can get your hands on. Yes. And, and for anybody that, that is um, not certain of this, vegetables are carbohydrates. Fruit is carbohydrate, right. root vegetables, rice starchy carbohydrate, but a carbohydrate nonetheless. <laughs> like are, right. These are all the carbs we're talking about. We're not talking about breads and pastas and cereals and, you know, highly refined processed, like Franken food, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. Like we've no problem with tacos. Just make them with whole foods. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love, I love a good taco. Do not yeah. take my tacos from me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We love good tacos, but, but yeah, the vegetables, I mean, they generally, they will have a little bit of protein, a little bit of, they don't always, they, a lot of them don't have much fat in them or any fat in them. Some of them do, but, but as a rule of thumb, vegetables are going to fit in the carbohydrate category. They're going to be really great yes. sources of carbohydrates. And I love that you're like top five. Okay. Let's say red, orange, green, yellow, and blue. Yes. <laughs> like, exactly. Those exactly. are the top five choose a rainbow because then we're getting the phytonutrients. And then we can bring in that conversation about micronutrients. And the only way we get a huge variety of micronutrients is through all the colors. And those micronutrients are the essential pieces that we need to fuel our mitochondria. Mitochondria are those little cells that are like the drivers of all the energy in our body. And if, um, and the way that those mitochondria keep going is through all the little micronutrients that we get from our food on a daily basis. Yes. Yes. And this ties in so perfectly with where we're headed next. I don't know if you're going to go there quite yet, but maybe you can speak to how those micronutrients are delivered. Like how many of them are fat soluble and it like 
yeah. to, like, I'm going to let you like dive in on that. Cause I know you <laughs> much better than <laughs> I can. Open. So important. But yeah. I mean, like when we look at the Krebs cycle, which is like, you know, the energy cycle, we need, we need fat because fat is going to give us some of the basic, like they're like vitamin D. Some of these things are fats that we absolutely have to have in order for our bodies to make the energy it needs at a basic level to just get up in the morning, to just keep our heart beating, to allow us to breathe, to make our brain move and to function and to think and all that sort of thing. So like omega, omega three fatty acids that we talk about, you kind of, you kind of hear about those and fish oils and all those types of things. They're just essential on a very, very basic level to keep our bodies functioning. Vitamin C, magnesium, potassium, sodium, vitamin D. I mean, like some of them are fat. Some of them are from carbohydrates. Some of them are from, um, the sunshine. I mean, they're, they're from all sorts of different things. Like we're, we're not going to be able to have the energy we need, which is also not going to be able to allow our hormones to create, like, we're not going to be able to have sufficient sex hormones. We're not going to be able to have sufficient stress hormones. We're not going to be able to have sufficient, um, immune system, like alert system. If we're not eating a really good variety of phytonutrients, the rainbow, getting enough protein to keep those you know, essential amino acids in our body and enough fat, which is where we need to go next in order to keep our tissues well-fed and to give us the nutrients that we can only get from fat, the, the vitamins and the nutrients we can only get from fat, vitamin A, vitamin D, um, vitamin K. I mean, there's so many that are only from fat. And, and then fat is also a really great source of energy. Like our body will prioritize burning fat when we give our bodies fat to eat way more work for the body to turn fat into fat, like stored fat than it is, than it is for the body to burn it. And so if we want to have a consistent energy source, if we want to have consistent energy, we need all three, we need the protein and, but it takes longer for our body to break down protein, right? Like we're not going to be able to utilize that protein 20 minutes after we put it in our bar and our belly, it, no. it takes time. It takes a good 90 minutes to an hour to two hours, sometimes to break that down, depending on the type of protein. Um, it, it is carbohydrates break down much faster. They become sugars, but they're up and down quickly. And um, yep. fat, fat is a slow and steady burn. Um, and so when we have all three of them, we have this wonderful, like satiating slow, like fabulous, steady energy burn throughout the day. And life is good. We can get so much more done instead of this crash and burn, crash and burn kind of a thing that happens when you're eating a really high carbohydrate, high sugar diet, lots of caffeine, not getting the protein you need. Anyway, yada, yada, yada. Here I go. Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you really, you really hit all the bases. Cause like, you know, I, I've had so many clients that come to me and they talk about like, they're so excited to tell me that they eat salad and they don't put dressing on it, you know, and there's, there's no meat nearby. And it's just like, okay, well we need we need a carrier for all of those micronutrients. Like all of the vitamins in that salad are amazing, but like they need an escort into your cells. And that escort comes in the form of fat. Like salad dressing is actually really important. And I'm not talking like the sugar laden Thousand <laughs> Island or like ranch, like Hidden Valley, right. whatever. And, you know, not knocking anybody who likes, who likes ranch, ranch could be delicious, but you need like the nice, like extra virgin olive oil, avocado oil, like whatever you want to throw in there. But like that little fat carrier is going to escort 
all of these delightful micronutrients into your cells and help them get where they need to go. And without it, they're a little bit lost and we end up passing a lot more than we end up absorbing. Yeah, for sure. But like to your point also about like having this beautiful trifecta between protein, fat, and carbohydrates, you know, we're really doing our liver a service if we're actually going the extra mile and eating in a particular order, especially if you notice that you have issues with energy peaks and troughs. If you notice that like after you eat, you're really, really tired or, you know, you have a lot of energy and then all of a sudden you don't have any energy. Like it, it, it's worth considering when you sit down to your meal, starting with your protein, because that is going to slow down the way everything is processed in your body. It'll help you take those carbohydrates in slower, which means they can get utilized more efficiently. And they're not going to contribute to this big energy surge that just like gets you skyrocketing into the air. And then all of a sudden you're just like left crashing and sweaty and sad in like 45 minutes. So like leading with protein and following up with those carbohydrates and fats is a really good way to make sure that like you're getting everything that you need. You're protecting your liver by not bombing it with like a nice big, like glut of glucose, glucose all of a sudden and getting all the nutrients that you need going where they need to go because they have their little fat escort. Right. Right. That escort just keeps everybody moving along at a nice, slow and steady system, yes. which I love. Yes. Plus we also need it for our brain. We need it for our tissues. We absolutely need it for our hormones. Um, in order to keep all those things supple and nourished as well. Absolutely. So, fat is so important. Like I cannot, I cannot stress this enough, like how important fat is because like I've said, at least a half dozen times now, all fat's not created equal either. <laughs> Shocking. Didn't, didn't think I was going to say that, huh? <laughs> like, you know, I, so often you see on social media, people being like, I eat pizza. I can eat whatever I want. I'm going to eat this donut. And it doesn't matter because I'm eating in a caloric deficit. And it's like plot twist. That is just not true. So I'm, I'm sorry if anybody out there really like hangs their hat on this, but it is not true. Like we do not possess the enzyme you need to cleave a trans fatty acid, something formed from a fried, heavily processed food. We cannot use that the right. same way that we can use a healthy omega-3 fatty acid. With that omega-3, we can build cell membranes. We can build synapses in our brain. We can use it for fuel. We can do all sorts of things with this, with this trans fat, all it can really do is clog your arteries. Yeah. It is not useful. Yeah. yeah. It is, is purely detrimental and it's going to hang out for a really long time versus being able to be used and lost. and lost. So it's, it's just quality is equally as important as quantity. Right. There isn't one that's better than the other. It's not like, Oh, I can only focus on how much I'm taking in or, Oh, as long as I'm only focused on eating whole foods, like then everything's gonna be completely fine. I mean, well, you'll be much better off if you focus on just eating whole foods, but you can overeat, you know, almonds. You know? Right. Right. Absolutely. And I, I think that's where a lot of women get into trouble because, and, and, and honestly, honestly, they get, they, they come to that place, honestly, because they're like, okay, I want to eat whole foods. We hear that buzzword. I want to eat whole, whole foods. And so they get up in the morning and they make um, a smoothie you know, that's got whole fruit in it, bananas, mangoes, um, pineapple. It's delicious, right? Yep. But it doesn't often have anything other than carbohydrates in it. And so they get that rush of energy, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. And then often we'll get a tank, like they'll really tank and they'll find themselves like two hours later scrounging for anything that they can eat, you know, reaching for grapes, reaching for chocolate chips, reaching for something, reaching for caffeine to try and give them the yeah. energy to make it through lunch because 
we haven't, we haven't given our bodies all three macros in order to have that sustainable energy run. And the same with lunch and how often, you know, like you do women come and they've got, and men too, they've eaten, you know, this fabulous salad. It's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous salad with lots of colors. Yeah. So yes, you should get lots of points for all the colors, but it also needs fat um, in the form of avocado, or it needs it in olive oil, or it needs it, you know, in, in seeds and those nuts and those types of things. And then we also need a protein in there as well so that the body's got sustained macronutrients, all three of them so that they can get through the day. Same with the sweet potato. Like a, a lot of women will go, Oh, I had a sweet potato for lunch. It was so good. And maybe they'll put a little butter on it, or maybe they'll add a little broccoli to it. And it's beautiful. It's orange and green and all the good things, <laughs> but it's like 230 calories, you know, for a whole sweet potato and a cup of broccoli. And they've gotten pretty much, they've gotten almost no protein, very little fat, unless they've put some olive oil on it. And you know, and then they're tired by, by the yeah. time they're making dinner at three or four or five o'clock in the afternoon, they're ravenous um, and they're having to snack their way through while they're making the meal and then sitting down to a meal. And they're like, I don't feel good. Yeah. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. And so what we're trying to do is say, Hey, we want you to understand how much your body needs. That's why we were talking about BMR and, and say, go and look at this up, look at the calculators, figure out what your total energy expenditure is. How much are you burning throughout the day? Even if you're trying to lose weight, you need to stay close to that number within 200 yes. calories of that total energy expenditure. And we need to stop worrying about the calories and we need to start working about the macronutrients. And so, you know, Let's say yeah. your goal is a hundred, you know, you want to be 120, 130 pounds is a healthy weight for you, then 130 grams of protein. And then we're going to, we're going to flex those carbs and those fats around the protein. And if you have a high fat day, then we want to have a, a low carb day. And if we have a high carbohydrate day, then we want to have a low fat day back and yes. forth and, yes. and working with balance balances, everything, everything. Yeah. And I, if we could live, and I think a lot of us have lived when we look at the U S population, especially over the past I don't know, 20 some odd years, 30, 20 some odd years. And we're seeing these exponential rates of chronic disease, especially things like diabetes and pre-diabetes. And it's because we have forgotten that little ratio. We've forgotten that teeter-totter. And so mm -hmm. many people are living on high fat and high carbohydrate. And those are both really, really rich energy sources. And our body can only use so much of them. And um, so yes. if we're having something really fabulous and delicious, like most desserts are going to be high fat and high carbohydrate. They're going to be great sources of energy, but if we're kicking in more energy than we need, and we're not getting the protein that we need, then, you know, our body just has to store it because it can't use it. It's like, this is great, but I needed some amino acids. Have you got any of those? And, <laughs> and it'll just, you know, I'm just going to store these right here and I'm tell you, I'm still hungry. Yep. Because I haven't gotten the amino acids that I need. And so it's like, Hey, Hey, I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry. And so you keep eating the carbohydrates, you keep eating the fat. And your body's like, uh, good, great. I'll store those too. That's what the body's <laughs> supposed to do. <laughs> exactly. It's holding onto it for a rainy day. It is. And it's like, but please, can I, can I have some more protein? Can I have some amino acids so I can get this work done? Um, and, and that's where I think we've seen a lot of the, the destructive types of dietary advice that have happened over the past 20, 30, 40 years is we were given this idea that we should eat low fat, low yes. sugar. Nobody talked to us about protein. <laughs> no, it really was just like mythical thing like for yeah. so long where it was just like, oh yeah, you, you know, that's not that important. Let's just, let's cut the fat out. 
Yeah. You know, I like understand. cholesterol has been vilified and yes. it's just, and that is definitely for another conversation, but like, that's where a lot of the low fat talk came from. Yeah. And I mean, it was debunked 30 years ago, but you know, not everybody got the memo and it's still right. a message that's going around very, right. very pervasively right now. There quite literally was a meeting as they were seeing rates of obesity begin to rise. And we actually, if you get on the CDC website, I should link to it. I've got the videos and you can look at the maps of, of the United States and each of the States and the amount of people, the percentage of the population that were overweight. And they started tracking it in the 1980s. And it's wild to see how few people were considered overweight or obese in 1980 compared to, as you kind of click through these maps, um, to when they stopped actually tracking it the way they were doing it, they tracked it for almost 20 some odd years. I think maybe it was longer. It was into like early two thousands. Um, to the point where every single state in the union had over 35% of the population was obese. And then we see the rates of chronic disease rise right behind them, just neck and neck obesity rise and chronic disease. And what was happening early on is it's like, how do we stop this obesity epidemic? Well, let's look at the calorie intake. And it's like, oh, look, a gram of fat is worth how many calories? Nine. Nine. A gram of protein is worth how many calories? Four. How many, and a gram of carbohydrates is worth how many calories? Four as well. Okay. So simple math. They're like, great. Let's just tell people to reduce their fat. And we've cut out extra calories. And we can reduce obesity epidemic. So I think it really came from an honest place of like, let's see if we can get people to reduce their energy intake. And then it kind of get like everything, like people get excited about, oh, I can make this brand new thing that doesn't have any fat in it, but it's super high in carbohydrates and sodium and all the things that we need to replace it so it tastes good. And we start to see inflammatory markers rise and we see people who are hungry um, because they're not getting satiated from fat and we're not getting taught about protein. And we're seeing these like epidemic numbers across the country of people who are struggling from chronic disease. And it's not because they're dumb. It's just because they've been given really bad information. Really terrible advice. It's leading to things like you said, obesity, chronic disease, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is now becoming rampant in children. Yeah. Like that used to not be things you saw in anything, but alcoholic, older individuals that had been doing this for a long time with gym blossoms on their face. Yeah. And now for the first time, like with, with this excessive energy intake, like I won't blame fat or carbs from it though. Carbs are the easiest form to store as fat. And we do see, you know, an an excessive intake because it's just so easy to overconsume. They're so easy to overconsume. So available. They're so widely available. They're available year round in ways that they never used to be when we were developing like our dopamine receptors, you know, like they, they hit that happy button over and over and over again, but they're going to be stored. And if we're eating them in excess, there's only so many places we can store them in our body and it starts to get packed around our organs. And that's when we see a lot of dangerous outcomes happening. Yep. Absolutely. So this conversation around energy balance just needs to be had anywhere. (laughs) You could find somebody that will listen. It is so important because it's not about overly restricting and it's not even about eating too much all the time. It's just about finding a balance between all of it. Right. Absolutely. Which sounds overwhelming, but it's really not like if you break it down, like in the, in the beginning, yes, of course, it's a lot to take. Oh, for in. sure. It's overwhelming. Yeah. It is a behavior change for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But once you get into that habit, once you have find your groove, you know, 
find the things that you enjoy eating and like you, you get into your hat, like your, you know, your system, like everything else, it does get easier. Right. And it yeah. pays you back exponentially. Wait, like it is the most worthwhile habit you could ever undertake right. is figuring out your energy balance. Right. Right. I mean, cause you sleep better. You have more yeah. energy during the day. Your hormones are more in balance. Like there's so many good things. Your stress happen. levels go down. Right. Like so fast. The right. aches that you just got used to in your body is just, you know, a byproduct of aging. Cause that's just what happens when we get older. Oh, turns out it's not. Right. It's not. <laughs> right. So let's give our audience a little takeaway here. We asked you before to go and look up your BMR and hopefully you've done that. If you haven't, go do that now. Calculate your total energy expenditure. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. I'll make sure we share it on social as well so that you can go and just peek at it. Just be honest about how much output you're doing. Like, are you getting on that Peloton every single day? Are you running every single day? How much, how much output are you doing every single day? And then look and see how much it is that your body is needing in order to maintain that. And take the time a couple of days, hopefully just a day or two during the week and one day on the weekend, because most people eat differently on the weekends than they do during the week and track, be really curious about how much you're taking in. And maybe some of you are going to find that you're taking in too much. That's totally possible. I have lots of clients who are like that as well, but it's because you're hungry. You're trying to eat a really good breakfast. You're trying to be really good at lunch and restricting and then three o'clock hits and you cannot stop the munchies. And then, yeah, you might, you totally are overeating cookies and treats and drinks and all the things just to survive and get to the end of the day where, you know, the bewitching hour of, of dinner and homework and work and chores and commuting or whatever it is that happens to all of us. Or I would bet that a lot of you aren't taking it enough. So so going and tracking whether you use Carb Manager or you use My Fitness Pal or do you have another one that's favorite? Like I have one on Practice Better. If you join, if you're one of my clients, you can try. I'm a My Fitness Pal fan. I find it extremely user friendly. There's so many good ones out there. Yeah, like, there are a lot of options right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and they're free. They make it easy for you. You can scan barcodes. You can yes. look things up so easily. Like it's just, it yeah. sounds so daunting, and it is cumbersome in the beginning, but you get the swing of it pretty quickly. Yes. Yeah. Especially if you're eating whole foods, it's, but even if you're not, you can scan the label and yep. picture the label and you'd be surprised at how much you can learn about what you're taking in. And then we would love you to start thinking about your macros. So that be thoughtful about that protein, start with protein. It can be really hard to make a lot of changes at once. My general rule of thumb is three changes at one time is the max for most people. And so we're asking you to, you know, look at your BMR. That's not necessarily a change. It's a one-time thing. Like look it up, see how much it is that you need to be, be eating for your total energy expenditure. But we're asking you to track. So that's one change if you're not used to tracking your food. The second change we're asking for is to really start to focus on your protein, right? Um, Absolutely. Like be thoughtful about 30, 20 to 30 million grams per meal. And maybe one, maybe a snack too, can get you to that 120, 130, where a lot of women need to be. Mm -hmm. um, and then our third, I don't even know if I want to give him three. Do we want to give him three? <laughs> no, I think that's plenty, honestly. And like, it's, it's kind of residual homework. Like if you hadn't figured out your BMR and TDE in the first one, like definitely want to try that dip your toes into a tracking app and then just baby step your way up in the protein. Yeah. yeah. Just really start like considering how much you're taking in and where you have opportunities that you can boost it up a little bit. Like if you're used to only having one or two eggs in the morning, have a third, 
Yeah. You'll be shocked. You'll be shocked at how much fuller you stay and how much longer. Yeah. Add some like collagen it's, it's, it's impressively. Yes. Yes. Collagen in your coffee, or even if you're, if you're an oatmeal person, throw some protein into your oatmeal, yeah. protein powder. <laughs> For sure. And you know, that's not going to fill up your entire days worth of calories. And so then, you know, that's where you get to experiment and say, okay, what if I add more carbohydrates to fill up my total, you know, TEE, like how much I need to be getting each day? Or what if I add more fats? Like, how do I feel? on those days and start to just kind of experiment because it's up to you. You get to fill it up, but, but really focusing on that protein first. And then the next time we meet, we can talk about, hopefully you'll be ready to jump into the resistance and the strength training, which is going to make all the difference. And I'm so excited for you to learn about, but we don't want anybody starting that from a place of depletion. We really want you to be in a place of strength and being really well taken care of before you jump in and we get to do the really fun stuff. Yes. You must have a nourished body is a strong body. Got to have one before we have the other. A strong foundation is everything. Couldn't have said it better. And and then like your client, Ellie, like that's when we see the magic happen is exactly eating well. Then we add the correct exercises and you understand why they are the correct exercises and what they do to your body. And yeah, then the good things start to happen. So anything else we want to add before we say goodbye? Oh, I think we already gave them plenty of juicy details. (laughs) (laughs) Next time we're going to get into like the real meat and potatoes of it. Hey, fantastic. So I'm excited for those of you that are listening. I hope you'll give it a try. And until next time, be well.